Good afternoon. Thank you for joining Atlassian's earnings conference call for the fourth quarter of fiscal year 2021. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded and will be available for replay from the investor relations sections of Atlassian's website following this call. I will now hand the call over to Martin Lamb, Atlassian's head of investor relations. Sir, please go ahead. Good afternoon, and welcome to Atlassian's fourth quarter of fiscal year 2021 earnings call. Thank you for joining us today. On the call today, we have Atlassian's co-founder and co-CEO, Mike Cannon-Brooks, and our chief financial officer, James Beer. Earlier today, we issued a shareholder letter and press release with our financial results and commentary for our fourth quarter and full fiscal year 2021. The shareholder letter is available on Atlassian's Work Life blog and the Investor Relations section of our website, where you will also find other earnings-related materials, including the earnings press release and supplemental investor data sheet. During the call today, we'll make brief opening remarks and then spend the remainder of time on Q&A. This call will include forward-looking statements. Forward-looking statements involve known and unknown risks, uncertainties, and other factors that may cause actual results, performance, or achievements to be materially different from any future results, performance, or achievements expressed or implied by the forward-looking statement. You should not rely upon forward-looking statements as predictions of future events. Forward-looking statements represent our management's beliefs and assumptions only as of the date such statements are made, and we assume no obligations to update or revise such statements should they change or cease to be current. Further information on these and other factors that could affect the company's financial results is included in filings we make with the Securities and Exchange Commission from time to time, including the sections entitled Risk Factors in our most recent Form 20S and Quarterly Form 6K. During today's call, we will also discuss non-IFRS financial measures. These non-IFRS financial measures are in addition to and are not a substitute for or superior to measures of financial performance prepared in accordance with IFRS. The reconciliation between IFRS and non-IFRS financial measures is available in our shareholder letter, earnings release, and investor data sheet on the IR website. During Q&A, please ask your full question up front so that we can be fair and easily move on to the next speaker. With that, I'll turn the call over to Mike for opening remarks. Thanks for joining the call today, everyone, from wherever you are in the world. Scott's out on holiday, so it'll be just James and I taking your questions today. We're in lockdown here in Australia, so I hope you and your loved ones are safe wherever you are. As you've already read in our shareholder letter, our Q4 was a ripper of a quarter, as we say down here. We added over 23,000 net new customers. We generated revenue of 560 million, up 30% year over year. Importantly, we grew subscription revenue 50% year over year, with cloud revenue up 47% year over year. And our cloud migration momentum continues to build. Our strong Q4 caps off another year that we're incredibly proud of. We entered FY21 staring down headwinds, and we exited stronger than ever before. I'm proud of our resilience and our ability to execute during a difficult year. We've continued to deliver innovation to technical and non-technical teams, building new products and new capabilities on top of our world-class cloud platform. We surged past 200,000 customers 
and $2 billion in revenue. We followed through on what we said that we would do. We played offense, and we've added more than 1,500 Atlassians to our team. And we'll continue to play offense into FY22 and beyond. We still have a lot of work to do, but the opportunities in front of Atlassian have never been greater. And we're keen to seize those opportunities. Before we move to q and I want to take a moment to thank the thousands of Atlassian around the world whose resilience, passion and commitment drive the innovation that we continue to deliver to our customers every day, every month and every quarter. With that, I'll pass to the operator to your questions. At this time, if you would like to ask a question, simply press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Again, to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from the line of David Hines from Canaccord. Your line is now open. Hey, guys. This is Luke on for DJ. Thanks for, for taking the question. So I, I just had a quick one, uh, I guess, you know, product-oriented, thinking about your ITSM capabilities. You know, that, that whole solution set has been considerably bolstered over the last couple of years, you know, starting with Jira Service Desk and, uh, you know, adding incremental functionality with Opsgenie for incident management, Mindville uh, for asset management, Confluence, you know, solves knowledge management. It, it feels like a really full, complete solution at this point, which begs the question, do you feel like there are other areas there uh, that, that would still be logical additions to, to become part of the platform? Thanks. Thanks. Uh, man, I can I can take that one. Uh, look, we are extremely uniquely positioned in ITSM. Um, we see that positioning resonating with customers every single day. Um, as you know, companies are increasingly blending the line between uh, their software folk and their ops folk, between dev and IT, however you say it. Um, we have a you know a single unified pane of glass, as we say, in, in JSM and then extending to the whole Alassian family. I, I think we've been very thoughtful and consistent in how we've grown that from uh, two, three years ago when we said we were doubling down on the IT space and then almost every quarter or six months since then, um, you've seen a, a steady you know, drumbeat of improvements as, um, as we've continued to to build capabilities and, and go after the opportunities that exist there. Uh, we're still going to keep doing that. Uh, we believe in the opportunities in the broader IT space uh, very deeply. Uh, we think we're the only company that can address those unique requirements as those companies head into the future from, you know, 50-person uh, companies all the way up to 500,000-person companies. We're very unique in, in our breadth and span there, um, and you see it turning up in the results. So, um I guess I don't have a concrete answer other than we, we deeply believe in the opportunity in front of us in that area and our uniqueness in position, and, um, and it's, uh, I think it's showing in, in the resonance we're getting with customers. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Keith Weiss from Morgan Stanley. Your line is now open. Uh, great quarter, guys, and a really fantastic end to uh, the fiscal year. Um, it really seems like something has 
catalyzed or something has shifted over the past two quarters. Um, you talked in the letter about um, the 70% acceleration of large customers coming over to cloud. Prior, you guys were a little bit more cautious on the pace of that transition. 23,000 customer ads is just a, a eye-popping number uh, compared to like the 8,000 you did a year ago. Is there something in particular is the macro environment? It's just like the the, the product strategy gelling, the distribution strategy showing. Is there something you could point to for that sort of what seems like a catalyst or an inflection point in the momentum on the cloud strategy and just like overall customer additions? Yeah, hey, Kate. Um, that's it. <laughs> Look, I think we're in a great position across the board. And we continue to take our long-term thoughts in mind. You know, if you think about the last year, in such a maelstrom, boneheaded moves are really easy to make. And we've kept our heads. We've been very sensible about how we have made decisions throughout this last 12 to 18 months and continue to focus on the long-term and focus on our customers. And so the strength that you are seeing uh, across the board in, in so many different areas comes from thousands of really smart, really thoughtful, long-term decisions that we've made that are continuing to drive uh, um, the pace and progress of Atlassian and, and their value to the customers. Uh, I don't think anything particular has changed in the last two years in that philosophy and strategy, which I always say is more important than individual decisions. Um, you can certainly point to things like free, which has significantly expanded our funnel and ability to um, uh, to grow the customer number in various ways. You can point to the continued integration of Trello. Uh, you, you yourself have probably asked a whole series of Trello questions over the last four years, and uh, and our answers have been very consistent and very much the same. And um, that you know is, is four years worth of work from the Trello team and the, uh, all the parts of the last team and bringing that in and continue to make it part of the family, um, that, that you know, continues to, to pay off, as does our broader uh, uh, shift and migration to the cloud, uh, which gives us a lot of fantastic capabilities for those customers right on top of our platform and all the other things that cloud brings us. So I don't have a, a singular shift. I don't think there's any individual thing that's changed. I think it's our... Um, you know, 20 years of Alaskan history and making long-term decisions and continue to execute at a, at a very, very high level against those decisions, that is, um, uh, that, that continues. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Rob Oliver from Baird. Your line is now open. Great. Thanks, guys, for taking my question. Appreciate it. Um, Mike, I've got uh, one for you. Uh, just uh, I saw uh, you quoted Randall Ward um, from that fire in the investor letter, and I think, you know, it strikes me one of the things we're seeing playing out for you guys is, like, the very methodical investments you've made in both the partner network and, and, and those who build apps on your platform. Um, now you're up to over 700 and just wondered if we could just get an update on your philosophy there as that seems to me to be, you know, contributing nicely to the kind of early success you're having here 
in Enterprise, if I understand that right, and and I might squeeze in one for James at the same time, just to say that you know you you guys had set out you know some some fairly conservative uh, targets, or at least they seem so to investors around you know server customers and, and migration of businesses up through FI23, and given the success you guys are having right now, uh, you know whether there's any thought of a sort of uh, reconceiving those targets. Thanks, guys. Hey, Rob. Uh, look, our, our channel, our marketplace continue to be, you know, extremely important pillars uh, of the business going forward. They bring, always have bring and continue to do so in the cloud, unique uh, capabilities to our customers that we, we can't bring, right, and we really value them for that. They're in geographies, they're in industries, they're in parts of the world that we can't be, and that continues to be the case in the cloud. Uh, broadly, you can see that's that's working. Uh, again, in the shareholder letter, we, we said that our, our channel partner sales are up over 300% year-on-year when you look at their cloud sales. So we've done a lot of work to help our, our channel partners understand the cloud. It's a big strength of Alassian's business, and, um, you know, and that's resonating with their customers uh, that are our shared customers, and that's, um, you know, that's really... Uh, working, no, nothing different in the philosophy there. We, we have to get our customers uh, through this migration journey, and we have to get the channel and our partners through the migration journey. So, um, you know, we do a lot of that. They're, they're driving um, the cloud migration, but also cloud in general. Uh, obviously, from um, the point of view of the technology partners in the marketplace, uh, we continue to have great progress with Forge uh, in terms of uh, allowing both our customers and our partners to build and extend Atlassian products, which has always been a hallmark of our philosophy. We've always been highly extensible and believed in customers' ability to extend our products. Uh, Forge is a way to do that that meets, meets the cloud regulatory and compliance uh, requirements that we've talked about that are incredibly challenging for, for SaaS businesses going forward, and, and we're really taking an engineering-first approach to that. Um, Forge allows us to solve those problems, gives great security um, and, and peace of mind for the customers using those extensions and technologies. Uh, and we continue to um, improve that, uh, as we've mentioned, with more than 500 apps now on the Forge platform, uh, both from third parties uh, and customers, and, and we expect that number to continue to grow. So um, no change in, in broad philosophy to your question around the partner ecosystem, but uh, you know, we continue to help them, and they continue to help us uh, on the uh, the long-term migration journey that we're on. Rob, I'll uh, jump in for the second part of your question. Uh, we're certainly pleased with the developing momentum that we have uh, along the migration timeline. Uh, you know, Mike mentioned the uh, statistic uh, with regard to our partners increasing their migration. Uh, sales activity, uh, uh, cloud orientation, you know, 300% year over year. Uh, more broadly, you know, we talked about a 2x volume uh, of migrations year over year. Uh, and then I think another important element of this is that quarter over quarter, our larger customers uh, we saw, so those are uh, those with 1,000 users plus, uh, we saw them growing migration activity 70% uh, quarter over quarter. So you know, clearly with those uh, facts demonstrating nice momentum, uh, 
we came into this process, uh, what, a little less than a year ago, uh, with around 30,000 server customers. So, yep, we're pleased with our momentum. We've uh, got uh, plenty of work ahead of us. Uh, we have uh, a ramp uh, to execute on. Uh, we feel good about our ability to execute on that ramp. Uh, but I, I, it's a little early uh, to change our thinking around the overall timetable uh, that we've spoken about, and that is that we would expect around half of those customers to be migrating in Fiscals 23 and 24, uh, and probably that would equate to something of the order of two-thirds of the larger customers migrating in that timetable. Uh, the other thing I would mention is we're pleased with the early pace of the enterprise additions uh, of our cloud uh, products. Uh, and I think that will be a, another important element uh, in terms of bringing more of these larger cloud, uh, excuse me, server customers to be ready to move over to the cloud. Thank you, sir. Moving on, your next question comes from the line of Tyler Radke from City. Your line is now open. Yes, thanks for the question. Um, it, you, you talked about your hiring plans in uh, the letter, and, and it seemed like on the R&D side, um, you know, as, as you've historically been focused there, um, you know, that, that's where the bulk majority of your investments are going. I was wondering if you could just kind of talk about um, both the R&D and sales and marketing side. I guess on R&D, um, you know, wh what are you most focused on? Is it, is it cloud investments? I, I know um, you have kind of talked about um, introducing some new products um, in, in the collaborative work management space. And then on the Salesforce side, just how much uh, important is there in, in, you know, hiring sales reps to make these uh, cloud transitions at the uh, enterprise customers where, where things, uh, you know, are more complex? Thank you. Hey, Tyler, I can take uh, I can take that one. Look, um, we've, we've continued to say that the people are really important to us. Uh, we've been made quite clear in the shareholder letter, um, as we did a year ago. Uh, we're going to continue to take um, our opportunities on the front foot that we have, uh, continue to build our team. Uh, again, a year ago, we said we'd We'd be adding over a thousand Atlassians. We ended up adding 1,500, which is a fantastic achievement in, in the year that we've had for uh, our talent teams and, and everybody around the business that has continued to do that. Um, again, more than a third, uh, I think more than a third of our staff at this stage haven't uh, stepped into an office uh, at this point uh, ever. So we've had some, some challenges. It's been an interesting year for hiring, and we've, we've done extremely well against that. Um, part of what we're saying in the, in the shareholder letter there is we're going to continue to do that in the year ahead. We see the opportunities in front of us haven't been greater, and we're going to continue to to play offense uh, on that side of things, and I, I expect there's um, a lot of detail and questions around that. You mentioned the R&D. For sure, that is an area that we will be continuing to hire in. It's long been one of our hallmarks, and the broader strategy of, in the long term, investing uh, heavily in R and D has, uh, has hasn't changed, and we will continue to be doing that. Um, we've been successful in hiring uh, fantastic engineering, design, and product management staff all around the world, and we'll continue to do that in the year ahead. Um, uh, on on 
hiring R&D and on sales and marketing before getting to the second half of your question. Team Anywhere is a big and important strategy that uh, I think investors would do well to understand. Our ability to hire staff all over the world, to integrate them and to execute them into our culture is a big change in the last 12 to 18 months and I believe is an opportunity for us to both differentiate the company uh, but also to um, to differentiate ourselves from, from uh, competitors out there and uh, I believe it's starting to pay off. We have a lot to learn in this area but that's, it's really, really important. Um, you see that in R&D but we're also going to see it in sales and marketing and the other areas that you, you mentioned in. In terms of what R&D is focusing on, it's probably the same as, as it always has been. We have a fantastic set of products that have huge opportunities in front of them in our three major markets. Uh, we've talked about point A uh, a little bit last quarter. We have uh, five products in the point A program at the moment uh, that we are co-developing with customers and collaborating on. Uh, all of them are, are resonating very well at this stage in a whole series of different areas across our three markets. And so we will continue to invest in furthering those products and capabilities. And our broader cloud platform, uh, the enterprise aspects of the cloud platform all the way up to the scale aspects of our cloud platform. Um, what we are intending to trying, what we are doing at a, at a world-class scale in our cloud platform is a, an extremely non-trivial effort. And so there's a, there's a lot of R&D and engineering investment that goes into continuing to maintain that platform and improve it uh, day in, day out on behalf of the customers. Sales and marketing-wise, again, we've been very consistent to our strategy. Um, we uh, have a high-velocity high uh, sales and marketing model that I'm sure you're well familiar with. Uh, we are continuing to seize the opportunities that are in front of us with our sales and marketing uh, staff, and that goes all the way from um, the marketing team and landing uh, thousands and thousands of customers every quarter up to our enterprise sales teams that work with our largest customers and continuing to deliver value to them in the largest um, in the largest customers in our customer base. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Greg Moskowitz from Mizuho. Your line is now open. Okay, uh, thank you very much, and congratulations on not only a terrific quarter, but what has also been a transformative year for Atlassian. Uh, so for, uh, you know, I think one of the most impressive data points, in my view, was a significant acceleration in cloud revenue, 47% year-over-year versus 35% the prior quarter. Uh, obviously, cloud is rateably recognized, but James, if you could speak to what drove this degree of acceleration, that would be helpful. And then for Mike, uh, just getting back to large customer cloud migrations up 70% quarter over quarter. What, if anything, do you think has changed over the past 90 days to uh, get large customers more comfortable with migrating that, again, might drive that sort of uh, increase? Thank you. Greg, I can take the first part of uh, your question around the cloud revenue. Uh, you know, really pleased with the uh, underlying performance of the business. I, I would point to three particular drivers, uh, uh, the premium additions uh, that have been in the marketplace for a year or two now uh, are uh, proving to be very much uh, popular with our customers. Uh, we continue to see a nice uh, development in uh, 
the proportion of, of the total uh, number of customers who are choosing the premium edition. And we're very much following a strategy we've talked about really for a long time now, and that is uh, very consistently adding new functionality, new capability uh, to these uh, editions. Uh, and as we do that, uh, there's a greater and greater pool of our standard uh, cloud customers and indeed others who are migrating over from a behind-the-firewall product. Uh, there's an increasing attraction to those uh, expanding capabilities of the premium offer. Uh, now, we're just getting going uh, with the enterprise edition, and I just think that this is another illustration of this long-term strategy to have a full ladder, if you will, uh, really starting with free, then standard, premium, uh, and then enterprise edition. So that's an, an important strategy for us that I uh, feel we're executing very well on. Uh, the second thing I'd point to is just the expansion of uh, the number of users at our current customers. Uh, that continues to go very nicely, you know, consistent, obviously, with the value that our customers are seeing uh, in utilizing our cloud products. Uh, and then I think the third thing I would point to is uh, uh, improving uh, rates around churn. Uh, there are a few things going on here. Um, that I think are very much illustrative of, of the long-term strategies that we have been pursuing. Um, what we are finding is that initially free edition uh, customers who then convert to a paid plan uh, are stickier. We see the same thing for our customers who choose the premium plans, um, and my expectation would be consistent with enterprise. We'll see how that plays out in the next year or two. Uh, and then, uh, perhaps not surprisingly, those who are migrating from behind the firewalls to the cloud uh, offerings are also stickier. So you've got a, a, a few different drivers there, in addition to the fact that for the last year, 18 months or so, we've had a variety of specific initiatives where we have uh, used our understanding of the marketplace and the different dynamics um, uh, as to usage of the cloud uh, products to be able to identify uh, potential areas where we might see churn, and we've been able to work to get in front of those customers uh, and change their minds. Uh, and so that's been another important driver of the cloud business. Um, one other thing uh, to remember uh, I, I would say also you know, migrations per se, relatively small impact on uh, the cloud growth rate thus far. Um, and then the other thing to remember is that this time last year, we talked uh, in Q4 of Fiscal 20 uh, about the fact that we had about a $10 million revenue headwind as a result of the lockdowns that were ensuing in many parts of the world uh, in those months. Uh, and really that all uh, was uh, impacting our cloud business. So that's uh, made the comp in uh, this Q4, uh, fiscal 21, a little bit easier as well. But uh, a variety of those drivers that I mentioned that are really proving to yield a very strong uh, uh, tailwind for our, our cloud business generally. Super helpful. Uh, thanks for the uh, caller, James. And then, uh, Mike, if you have any quick thoughts on what's driving some larger customer uh, cloud migrations, that would be great as well. Thank you. Um, yeah, Greg, it's, it's, it's probably the, the, some of the factors we've talked about earlier. Um, for sure, the channel getting more comfortable with 
cloud is, is probably one aspect I mentioned that is driving that. We see more, you know, obviously the larger the customer is, the more likely they are some sort of partner helping them. So that's, um, that's continuing to, to build momentum, which is good. The second thing I would say is we continue to work hard, and it's not particularly in the last quarter as much as over the last few years, on uh, the enterprise additions and the capabilities that come with them from access through premium and enterprise, as James mentioned, um, continuing to resonate with, with customers. And, you know, those all have long-term roadmaps that we have in our public cloud roadmap about what we're adding to them over time. So customers are not just buying into what we've done over the last 12 months, but what we have coming up in our the more the customers see us deliver against that roadmap, you know, when we tell you here's the things we're going to do each quarter for the next year and then we go do them, that builds confidence in that in that part of the customer base, uh, well, in all the customer base, but particularly in that part of the customer base. Uh, and the third thing is just continuing to deliver against some of the performance and scale and governance capabilities that the large enterprise customers require. Uh, you saw that in the last year with things like data residency, and we'll continue to do that um, more broadly. Um, and if there's a fourth one, it's probably our platform capabilities continuing to evolve in the enterprise direction. So uh, automation capabilities, um, uh, smarts at scale uh, that, that do resonate with the larger customers because the bigger you are, the more data you have, the more teams, the more users, um, the more uh, sort of smart, you know, AI and machine learning driven features actually come, come to help you because we can, we can sift among that data pile much more quickly for you. Um, uh, automation features, all the things in the platform that we continue to build for the largest customers. It, it's probably a, a small part of all of that collection of factors that's driving that, uh, that success. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of James Fish from Piper Sandler. Your line is now open. Congrats on the quarter, and, uh, you know, ripper of the quarter is, is understating it. Um, I guess you know, going back to this idea of free to premium to enterprise, I, I guess can you walk us through a little bit more of the details on the adoption curve of, of standards of premium to enterprise and any sense to uh, the mix within those buckets at this point and how long it takes to move up the stack on average or why customers um, might not be moving up at this point but could move up over the next 12 months. Thanks, guys. Yeah, one of the things I'd start by saying is how uh, the free editions have really expanded the top of our marketing funnel in an impressive way. I, we talked in prior quarters about a 3x uh, type factor, and, and frankly, as each quarter goes by, we continue to refine the, uh, the, the experience, if you will, that the user has with our, our free offering, making it easier to invite others in uh, on their team, not requiring someone to go through an admin. Uh, it would change the trial lengths and so forth uh, associated uh, uh, with the move up to standard. So we continue to refine uh, the way the user experiences and gains value from our free offering but then also is introduced to the additional benefits of the standard paid plan. Uh, and so, you know, very pleased with how, as we study the different monthly cohorts that have started with free over the last year or so, how uh, they are moving increasingly towards the paid plans 
to the degree that we feel very comfortable with the long-term economics of uh, offering free versions of JIRA software, Confluence and JIRA service management into the market. And I think that was one of the key initiatives of this last fiscal year that will serve us well out over many years to come. Uh, in terms of premium, uh, yes, we uh, started off uh, 18 months, two years or so ago with a relatively modest uh, package of incremental functionality versus the standard plan. And you know, not surprisingly, uh, and we expected this, it was a relatively modest take-up, but that was just getting us out of the gates, if you will. And we have, as I mentioned in uh, one of our earlier comments, really uh, routinely expanded what's available in that, that premium offering, and we will continue to do that uh, in, in the years to come. Uh, and we've been very pleased with uh, how Jira Software, Jira Service Management, and Confluence Premium Editions uh, have increased their impact on the overall uh, 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 proportion of, of cloud customers. Uh, and then we're just really getting started with enterprise, very early days, uh, but encouraging developments thus far. Uh, and again, well, uh, this is one of our key areas of focus for R&D development, uh, and I would expect us to uh, continue to build momentum around the enterprise additions over the next year or two. Uh, Mike, what would you add to that? Uh, James, uh, Fish, <laughs> I think James uh, Beer did a fantastic job actually answering that question. The only one small element of color I would add, um, and, and it, it may be taken for granted, but I just want to make sure everyone understands, a customer does not need to buy one edition across the board. So one of our advantages in having a family of products is the adoption curves of each product can go at the pace of the particular customer or group department within that customer set of teams, whoever is using that particular product. This is where our ladder is very consciously designed to be customer friendly and customer first, and it is really starting to resonate. So an example there is you could use Jira software, enterprise edition or premium edition in a large company because you have a very mature engineering organization with a lot of, of capabilities and adopt Confluence Free with a small group of 10 people alongside that as you start to uh, uh, learn about how Confluence can add to your software team. As that Confluence deployment grows, you probably move into standard and you probably move into uh, a premium over time if it's a large company and, and the user base continues to grow and we have success, right, with your usage. So a single customer can buy different additions of different products at the same time, depending on their adoption of each of the different areas and opportunities and markets that we have. Um, that's, that's designed like that on, on purpose so that customers can, um, can grow at their own uh, pace in different areas. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Keith Backman from BMO. Your line is now open. Hi, many thanks for taking the question. Uh, the first one I think is for you, Mike. I wanted to hear a little bit about um, platform parity. And what I mean by that is where do you think you are now in terms of, uh, say, the cloud offering, particularly targeting those large enterprise customers that James mentioned would still be migrating late in the cycle? 
um, where are you in terms of um, the capabilities on the cloud versus server versus data center, um, and um, how might that change over the next year or so in terms of reaching feature parity to already to catalyze the great momentum you've already started with? Hi, Keith. Great question. Look, we are. Firstly, it should be said that our, we're very early in the migration journey. This is, uh, as we've said uh, repeatedly, this is a this is a multi-year journey, and we will continue to evolve with our customers as we go through that journey. The capabilities of the cloud, it should be mentioned. Firstly, are incredibly unique already. So. The cloud has some big differentiations uh, in terms of its capabilities that already give you a, a choice between the two um, a deployment options. And then we continue to build out our enterprise capabilities. You mentioned the very largest customers. Uh, you saw that in uh, the last couple of quarters with data residency and continuing to improve uh, things like FedRAMP and a lot of other compliance requirements and enterprise requirements. Uh, Again, we have a public roadmap. We explain to customers where we are at that roadmap and how we're executing against that. That's really resonating with those um, with those larger customers. Um, so I think we're in a we're in a really good spot in terms of how we go through that journey. Um, as we've said, uh, it it had a, a relatively you know modest impact on FY21, and we are early in that journey over time. As we as we continue to power through that, um, and those those customer migrations are coming from server and data center. Uh, it should be said for the largest customers that you mentioned in data center, often that journey is not a singular step. So that that customer can choose to move. You know they might have ten thousand users, let's say, on data center, and they choose to move five hundred or a thousand of them to the cloud for a particular purpose. Maybe it's a unique geographic office. Maybe it is a, uh, a large project group, a department within the company. Uh, that is a behavior that we see often where they will move 500 to 1,000 customers, uh, users, sorry, to the cloud to test us. And we like that. That lets us demonstrate our capabilities. It lets us demonstrate our enterprise strengths to that customer. And we are confident that we can give them a great experience, give them a great um, total cost of ownership, equation with the, with the cloud offering, that will then resonate through the remainder of those users. So that customer becomes a customer of both cloud and data center in that example, and then over time we would hope that they would, uh, would move the rest as we demonstrate our capabilities. Yeah, just to add on one um, uh, fact uh, to that, Mike, we're, we're now seeing that 25% of our, our seats migrating into the cloud are coming from the data center. Uh, and obviously the data center is where we've tended to have our larger customers. Uh, and so again, I think as the cloud enterprise additions become uh, more and more capable, uh, I would expect uh, that that trend of data center to cloud migrations uh, will only increase in the next uh, two plus years. Thank you. 
Moving on, your next question comes from the line of Ari Terjanian from Cleveland Research. Your line is now open. Hi, all. Uh, thanks for taking the question, and congratulations on the great results. I uh, just want to double-click on the cloud performance. I was wondering if there are any patterns you've seen, any surprises in terms of the type of customer among these larger enterprises. It seems like growth in America is only decelerated 200 basis points. Is it fair to say most of these are the type of customer you'd expect in terms of geography or vertical, or are you starting to see some you know, more non-traditional customers start to migrate to cloud as well? Thanks. Yeah, just a, a thought on that. Um, one of the things we actually chatted a little bit about this a quarter or so ago is that we're quite pleased with how we're seeing more cloud take up uh, within Europe, uh, Middle East Africa region. Uh, and that has been a part of the world that has been very, very focused on utilizing behind the firewall type solutions. Um, and so we're pleased to see our European-based partners uh, really uh, taking on the opportunity, uh, understanding the, the value to their customers of our cloud offerings, and then obviously the, the customers themselves. So, um, you know, again, relatively early days versus, say, the Americas, uh, where, um, you know, I would say there has been a, a longer history of wide-scale uh, cloud adoption. Uh, and... Uh, uh, so we're encouraged by that, and, and obviously we'll, we'll continue to uh, work at that that angle. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of George Iwanek from Oppenheimer. Your line is now open. Thank you for taking my question, uh, Mike. You know with the context of continuing to be on offense, can you maybe share some color what you're seeing on the competitive front, uh, maybe broadly speaking, and then specifically maybe a progress with work automation and work work management? Sure, man, I can, I can talk about that. We're, um, look, we're, we continue to be, as we always have, philosophically aware of what competitors are doing, but we absolutely don't focus on that or on them. We always try to put customers first in, in a big, big way, and it's very easy to say that. Uh, I would say that I've seen a company that actually does that, and we have done for, for a very long time. The um, not really any change in the competitive landscape, I would say, is a brief answer over the last quarter. We continue to be really positive about the opportunities we have and where we sit uh, with our customers. Um, talking broadly about work automation, work management, obviously it's a, it's a very, very large space. Uh, continues to be so. Uh, we have uh, uh, a number of different offerings targeting that uh, space with customers. That, that resonate very strongly for a whole series of different reasons. Um, Trello continues to uh, power along very strongly. We're very happy with where Trello sits and how it has um, continued to grow over the last year. That team's done a fantastic job, and uh, that is um, that's an exciting area for our, our business and continues to be so. 
inside point eight in terms of uh, innovation and new capabilities. Again, Jira Work Management is doing uh, some really excellent work at connecting the Jira family into some of those really exciting areas. Um, it uh, leverages our automation platform, leverages our cloud platform in, in really uh, good ways to bring the the rigor and structure of Jira, which is very needed by a lot of parts of a lot of enterprises, into that uh, broader work management arena. Um, so we're very excited. Obviously, extremely early days for Jira work management. It's only been in the wild for three, three to six months at this stage um, and continues to be part of the Point A program because we're really collaborating deeply with our customers about how to continue to grow that. Um, all the way across to, I would say, uh, Help is a good example of a product that is taking an alternative view to how work management can be done. Um, Help is messaging-based service provision tool. A lot of parts of enterprises are actually about one team servicing another team. Uh, we think about that in the ITSM context, obviously, but if you look at service-driven organizations in a broader sense, we're going to have to continue to find new ways for teams to service other teams, be that a legal team or an interactive marketing team. Uh, and help is really resonating strongly because the, the messaging-based paradigm is, is a very new one. So. We have a lot of very unique capabilities in the broader work management space, and uh, I would say my, my excitement is extremely high about uh, all of the different uh, investments that we have. Yeah, just to add on one other thought, uh, while obviously the custom account that we publish each quarter, it does move around from quarter to quarter. We've always expected that. Uh, the 23,000 number that we posted up in Q4, uh, I think, is... Uh, uh, is impressive uh, in terms of an, illustrating our, our competitiveness. Obviously, those 23,000 companies evaluated their alternatives uh, and chose Atlassian. Uh, and so, you know, as Mike referred to there, uh, you know, Trello was an important part of that. Uh, we've been emphasizing monetization initiatives there now for 18 months or so, uh, as we've discussed in the past. Uh, but this customer increase uh, was broad-based, uh, Jira software, Jira service management, Confluence, uh, and so really uh, encouraging and illustrative of, I think, where we stand on the competitive playing field. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Fred Havemeyer from McCrary. Your line is now open. Hey, thank you, and congratulations on a, on a really strong quarter here. Um, I'd like to ask a bit about some of your integrations and your strategy around that, because, you know, some of the product highlights in your letter around, um, you know, open DevOps and the importance of integrations really, really drive home where it is that you're focusing some of your efforts in product development and investment outside of some of the uh, other topics we've been discussing today. So I'd like to ask, you know, do you view integrations within the JIRA ecosystem more as an opportunity to improve retention or as an opportunity to also expand user capture by adding essentially more workflows that can be addressed within the JIRA ecosystem? Hi, Fred. Uh, Mike here. Yes, look, I think that's an extremely good question. Strategically, I would say we are very pro-integration. Uh, let me explain why that is. 
we, we've talked a bit before about what we call uh, Cambrian SaaS. So there is an explosion of SaaS tools happening out there at the moment. Uh, it's a very uh, a verdant period for new uh, solutions for customers, new applications, niche ones, big ones, small ones. Uh, this is a fantastically interesting period to be in SaaS. Um, we focus on what's best for our customers, and when you're doing so, uh, it takes uh, a lot of practicality, pragmatism, uh, a little dose of humility to realize that those customers are going to use a lot of applications that come from other companies for all sorts of reasons. The best thing we can do is be deeply integrated in all of those places. Uh, we believe that's best for the customers. It is then our job to automate uh, workflows, to coordinate data, and to do that as best we can across all of those different applications. Uh, and that leads to the best outcome for the customer, which leads them to, uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, be, be retained or enjoy their lasting experience, so stay. Uh, it also leads them to have uh, an increasingly integrated, uh, which becomes sticky and more valuable to them, uh, offering set among the different uh, uh, products and applications that, that we have. One of our biggest competitive advantages is our developer ecosystem and our extensibility of products. Uh, you see that. And as, you know, Cambrian SaaS continues to throw up new evolutions of products and, and variants in different directions, um, that, that allows us to, to flow into those directions through integrations, uh, through acquisitions, uh, through extensibility, automation, in, in lots of different manners as we navigate that um, you know, that, that continually evolving world. And so, uh, yes, I, I think strategically it's extremely important. Uh, that's been part of our open philosophy for customers for a long time now. Um, it's part of open DevOps, as you saw, uh, uh, as you mentioned. And uh, we know that that resonates with customers both uh, philosophically in terms of they, they like that, they think it's, it's a good position for Atlassian to stand. We've never been a vendor that said, hey, you know, all, all your stuff is with us and you don't need anybody else. No, we don't, we don't believe that. That's not what we tell customers. That's not what we talk to them about. So philosophically, that resonates with them. Uh, we know um, from their usage, from their satisfaction, that we are then a better vendor for them. So we see that in their numbers in lots of different places, be that you know analytically usage-based or, or customer satisfaction report-based. Um, and then we believe that results in better economics for Atlassian, uh, which is uh, then shows why those integrations are important for, for shareholders and, and the long-term future of Atlassian. Um, that's a philosophy we've had for a long time. In SaaS, we can really show that philosophy in ways that we, we couldn't uh, uh, beforehand because it, it really becomes apparent. Um, thinking through my own answer, the part that I want to also stress, the data integration piece is really important here. So uh, we continue to evolve our data platform as a part of our cloud platform to connect um, objects, to connect uh, uh, elements across the Atlassian and third-party uh, spaces so that we can give smarter and better answers to customers. And we saw that show up a little bit in the Insights features we shipped in Jira Software that don't just leverage Jira Software data. They can leverage data from code providers, uh, CICD providers, lots of other parts of the DevOps ecosystem. 
to give you the best answers in Atlassian's products and outside Atlassian's products. Uh, I think that's a long-term strategic piece here as well, is to be able to coordinate and understand data across multiple vendors, gives you those automation capabilities, but also gives you insights and unique places that we can uh, we can give answers to customers. Just a couple of things to add on uh, to what Mike's commented on there. Uh, one thing that we've seen going back to talking about churn a few minutes ago is that when our marketplace uh, uh, vendors, uh, partners, uh, are a part of the relationship with the customer, when the customer uses an app, uh, our dollar churn declines by around 50%, 50%. So that's uh, an interesting illustration of uh, the stickiness part of your question. And then um, in the shareholder letter this quarter, um, we put quite a bit of uh, uh, material to talking about the different types of partners. And, and one uh, uh, comment we make is an il interesting illustration of how they can, these integrations drive user growth. We talk about being able to request access to Confluence now directly from a Slack channel. So it's just an illustration of, of the sort of thing that Mike's been, been talking about here. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Brent Phil from Jeffries. Your line is now open. Um, hey, guys. Congrats on a nice finish to the year. Um, my name is Love Soda. I work with Brent Phil. I uh, wanted to ask uh, a quick question to Mike. Uh, first one on the, you know, could you give us some insight into the impressive net new customer ads and what are these customers landing with? Historically, you know, Jira and Confluence have led that motion, but do you see the new customers kind of adopting the entire solution suite, or is it still certain products kind of leading the charge? And then one for James, uh, you know, obviously the fiscal 22 guidance uh, for subscription revenue growth is low to mid-40s, which is ahead of what you said previously of mid-30s. Uh, could you maybe shed some light into what's driving this optimism uh, and what level of migrations is kind of embedded into this uh, new guide? Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Look, on the new customer number, um, a few points I would I would say. First, uh, we did we did say six six and a half thousand of those odd were Trello single user accounts. So the 23,000 is a really impressive number. Even if you take out the 6,500 Trello single-user customers, you still end up with a, a, a very strong quarter for customer ads. Um, as we say all the time, that customer number goes up and down. Uh, we, we don't focus on it. We focus on the activities inside the business that lead to the best long-term uh, customer acquisition. Inside that, uh, James has already mentioned free, obviously, continuing to to drive that and uh, uh, power the sort of the uh, the part of the iceberg that's below the water, I guess. We don't talk a lot about free. Uh, uh, custom, they're not customers, right? So if they're using the free offerings, we don't count them as customers. So as they convert into being customers, they might have actually been using Atlassian's applications for a long time. So a part of that is just a general rising tide as free has been uh, available for 12 to 18 months now and continues to be so. The biggest strength in the number 
that gives me confidence, I would say, is the fact that it's very across the board. So there's not a particular area that is uh, excelling here. We see strength across uh, the software, uh, agile and DevOps spaces. We see strength in ITSM, in Jira service management uh, and help and confluence. And we see strength across the work management uh, arena, Jira work management, Trello, um, help again, confluence. Uh, and um, it's a very across the board uh, uh, pace and rate that we're seeing. So there's not a particular good answer to your question of which sector. Um, in fact, the, the answer is, look, it's as a result of lots of long-term activities across all the areas and opportunities that we have uh, in front of us in the business. Um, we're, we're proud of, of where we are and the execution we've done. I'll, I'll throw to James for the, uh, the second part of your question. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Uh, a few thoughts around the guide. Um, so uh, both cloud and data center, the two components of subscription revenue, uh, good organic uh, tailwinds, if you will. Uh, we have spoken quite a bit about the cloud business um, in the last hour or so, uh, so I won't repeat all of those, those points. Uh, but similarly, uh, we've got a lot of uh, new demand uh, for data center. We have... Uh, increasing de uh, demand uh, in terms of user count from current data center customers. Uh, we also uh, raised prices on the data center business uh, uh, around uh, five months ago, uh, and so uh, that's a benefit uh, that we'll increasingly start to see as uh, the next several months uh, play out. And uh, in, in terms of uh, uh, loyalty discounts, you recall uh, that we have stepped down the size of the discount that we offer to migrating uh, server customers uh, for uh, both the case where they would migrate to the cloud and to the data center. Uh, so that provides something of a relative uh, tailwind as well. Uh, in terms of the effect of migrations, obviously that's uh, also going to continue to benefit both the cloud and data center businesses in the coming year, uh, I would expect migrations to drive approximately mid-single-digit um, uh, growth on our subscription revenue growth in, in fiscal 22 year over year. Uh, and while obviously not a, a subscription revenue uh, issue, uh, the server business, uh, uh, obviously we stopped selling new server licenses five months ago. Uh, we'll stop selling server upgrades to current licenses in seven months' time or so. Uh, and so then uh, that server business will just naturally uh, decline over time as those customers migrate over either to cloud or to data center. Thank you. And your last question is from Michael Turin from Wells Fargo. Your line is now open. Hey there, thanks. Some even more fantastic than usual phrasing in the letter this time, so, so kudos there. I wanted to go back to one of the, the hat trick core markets and just touch on ITSM. You referenced Jira Service Management, now used by more than 30,000 customers. It's a big number. I was just hoping maybe we could touch on whether the more explicit move towards ITSM is influencing either the type of customer 
or the pace at which you're adding customers or seeing engagement from that area. Thank you. Hey, Michael. Uh, look, I think, we're, as I've said before, we're very happy where we sit in the ITSM space. Um, the type of customer, um, look, we there's clearly a type of customer that's large that uses ITSM solutions. I think one of the exciting parts inside that is that um, we continue to land smaller customers in ITSM as well, as those skills of the large companies um, are, are more taken up by, by smaller businesses. You're seeing 50, 100, you know, 200 person businesses really thinking deeply around uh, their IT capabilities and technology as a strength broadly. And, you know, we've long said we're targeting a Fortune 500,000 and uh, we have very big aspirations for, for that. Um, we don't think the ITSM opportunity is restricted to the sort of Fortune 2000 or the Global 5000 or whatever. We think the ITSM opportunity is far, far, far broader than that. And as such, we're, um, you know, we're thinking about it in that manner. Uh, that plays into Atlassian's core DNA and strengths of, of how we go about doing what we're doing. So uh, that part is very exciting. We for sure need to solve the needs of the largest enterprises at the same time. Uh, I think you've seen us continue to do that. So that the type of customers that I believe we will see in ITSM are as broad as the general Atlassian customer base, which I know is not the expectation of some, but I believe that is... Uh, that is one of our, our strengths, uh, our ability to um, uh, really change, change uh, the IT and technology capabilities of companies of all sizes, small uh, all the way through to the biggest companies in the world. Um, that, you know, that, um, that, that's how we think about it, and we'll continue to, to uh, embrace that opportunity, to, to attack that opportunity, with, with vigor, and uh, and we've said that in in the shareholder letter um, two two and a half years ago when we said we were going to double down on IT, uh, we meant it when we said that, and uh, we mean it just as much today. There's there's a huge opportunity in that space as there is in all of our three markets that we are um, that we're playing up against. Thank you, presenters. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes our Q&A session for today. I will hand it back over to Mr. Mike Cannon-Brook for any closing remarks. Just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for uh, joining the call today. Uh, we appreciate your uh, continued support and questions. Um, thank you to all of the Atlassians on a fantastic year. Uh, we look forward to continuing to power into the future. I uh, hope you and your loved ones, wherever you are in the world, remain safe and healthy. And we'll talk to you next quarter. Thank you very much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.